<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Happy New Year to you. Today is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. We start off this year, this momentous year, with who other than our dear friend Alistair Crook. Alistair, Happy New Year to you and to your family. Thank you for all the time you gave us in 2023. We look forward to picking your big brain in 2024 and welcome here. And uh, Happy New Year to all your viewers and listeners on your program. Thank you. Thank you, Alistair. You have written a very interesting uh, piece. All your pieces are interesting, but your most recent one argues that it is a general truism that the states of Western civilization fail to reclaim what they lose. What do you mean by that? Are you talking about landmass? Are you talking about reputation for respectability i'm 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 really talking about the 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 wholeness of that uh, that once you start to lose your position once you start to lose civilization once civilization begins to slip through your fingers i i mean by that not uh, just military but political culture when you start to decline as a society it's very hard to stop it to recoup it. It's a path that is very hard, if you like, um, to <clears throat> to get back onto. Once you lose that path, I, it seems to be lost. And I say that, not my own observation, but it was the observation of Homer looking at history, looking at the history of civilizational states um, before um, several thousand years ago, a couple of thousand years ago. And, and that was the conclusion. Um, the states, whether they were Athens or Carthage or whatever, once they started slipping, once they started getting off the path, then losses accumulated. The attempt to recover the losses led to further losses. So that was the point. Is the West, and I'll define the West as the United States, uh, Great Britain, and uh, Western Europe, uh, is the West on this inevitable inexorable, painful decline? Uh, yes, unquestionably. It, it's, in, it, it's, on that, it, it's on that path, unfortunately. Uh, the, uh, the values that we had are gone. Um, the sense of purpose, the sense of, if you like, some sort of integrity and moral keeping has, has slipped away. And so we, yes, we are on a path 
uh, of, of decline, and it will be accompanied by attempts to recover that loss, um, which probably will get worse uh, as time goes on, will fail to recover the loss. Does the, does the government uh, of uh, Prime Minister Sunak of the United Kingdom and President Biden of the United States recognize this decline? Oh, no. I mean, it's very hard for them to recognize it because they're in it and they're part of the decline. So they don't recognize it. And this is, uh, this is one of the, uh, the great difficulties that you have with this. You get into, you start down the path of, of decline uh, and it's very hard to pull it back. I mean, look at the UK. It's, it is descending further and further into really an abyss where politics is disintegrating, uh, where culture is deteriorating, where the economy is um, very markedly declining. It's very hard to pull all of those things back at the same time. Um, few states have really been able to do it. And Britain is searching for a role. It doesn't have a role. Um, and it'll be difficult for it to find a new role in this world. Is the um, American debacle in Ukraine just an example of this? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, what people say the um, America is now seeking is to sort of redefine victory, to get a new narrative of victory. Uh, I would say the most important thing is actually to start off by defining defeat, having a narrative of defeat, because quite clearly, this, I mean, is typically an example of something that cannot be easily recovered. I mean, the war is lost. The war is completely lost, and Kiev is sort of coming apart. Political infighting, rivalries between various groups, the economic situation is a disaster. Um, it's effectively financially bankrupt, uh, running out of money, running out of men, and running out of weapons. How do you recover this? And, you know, is it sensible to try and sort of create some sort of narrative of victory from this? Well, really, it's, you know, it's Putin who's lost. I mean, they're still there, so Putin has lost. I mean, it, it doesn't really make sense because Russia won't play with that. It won't, it's not about to negotiate um, a solution or a sort of um, stagnant or, a, if you like, uh, um, a, a solution of a fixed borders or something like this and, and leave America to rearm in due course and remake um, Ukraine to attack it further. It's not, it's not going to happen. For, uh, Putin made that very clear over the, this Christmas period. I mean, in his own usually understated way, um, President Putin said, um, no, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, they've lost the war and they can either capitulate or we can finish it off militarily. We have complete ability to do so. We don't mind about what he called the old Habsburg provinces. I mean, that's West Ukraine. He said they, other people will probably want to and they will want to belong to Poland or Hungary or whatever. That's fine. But cult, what is culturally Russian? What has been culturally Russian will come back to Russia 
and he said, you know, uh, that at the time it was a great mistake, if you like, to put all these provinces into Ukraine. And now what is culturally Russia is coming back. Um, we're going all the way. It was pretty plain. So that's the situation. So trying to create a, a victory narrative out of that, uh, it uh, falls by the fact that the facts on the ground are inescapable. Everyone can see. Militarily, it's lost. Russia has won the war overwhelmingly. And so you can't, I mean, you can't undo the facts on the ground. You can narrate it, create a different image, a different vision, see it differently, but the facts speak for themselves and the rest of the world. I mean, maybe it'll work within America, but the rest of the world won't buy it at all. So really, it's a, uh, it would be better to just say what defeat is and get on with it and, and move on. Does the British public recognize that uh, the UK and the US have effectively lost their proxy war um, against Russia? Probably not, because Britain has been at the forefront of, of this propaganda war. It, it's been very much, and much of Europe. You know, there's no reporting, really no reporting, much less than in America, reporting about what has been happening in Ukraine and, and, and the difficult Little bits of it. Articles have started appearing. Articles of saying, well, actually, yes, they're going back into a defensive position and they're having to recruit a lot more, conscript a lot more men, and people don't want to be conscripted. But, um, yeah, they. I mean, the, there are bits of it, but at the same time, people are very reluctant to hear the truth, very reluctant. What do you make of the uh, efforts uh, by the British government and the American government to, to steal, to convert Russian banking assets in Brussels uh, which is about $300 billion by the Financial Times uh, estimate, uh, and and deliver some of that to uh, President Zelensky. I, I think that's a, a, another very clear example about how once you get into a losing situation, you compound your losses by creating new losses. If they do this, if America does this, if the Europe does this, I mean, it will only accelerate the financial crisis. It de-dollarization will just take off. Everyone can understand that, <clears throat> um, whether it's you know Arab states, Gulf states, or whatever. They're not going to have their money in a place where it can be just seized and removed from them. So it's only going to lead to another crisis. It's not going to be something that is going to save the situation. They can't save the situation, even if they have the money. You can't. <coughs> it's not. Po it's not realistic to think that they can go in and have another round with Russia. So, um, my own view is that uh, President Biden will do what he can. Remember, it's an election year, and startling as it as it seems, he's determined to run uh, for re-election. I guess he thinks he can. He he can withstand the rigors of a campaign and win. But it would seem to me uh, that he will attempt to uh, salvage his reputation by using the word stalemate and claiming Ukraine is in a stalemate. We held the Russians to a stalemate. If he does that, is that even remotely credible? Not remotely. Work? No, 
I mean, <clears throat> you're a better judge than I whether that will work at all within the United States. But I mean, the point is that it's absolutely not working in the rest of the world. One's only got to look at what's happening at the UN and in other fora like that to see that the combination of the, if you like, the quagmire uh, in Ukraine and the quagmire in Israel with Gaza and with the Palestinians, I mean, is completely undercutting Western standing everywhere in the world. I mean, we can barely get Seychelles to join us on, on for <laughs> resolutions in the UN. And so, so uh, no, it, it, it won't. That's why I'm saying, you know, trying to create, you know, oh, it's a, you know, it's a stalemate, that's good, that means that Putin is, has lost. I mean, not only is it a nonsense, but it's self-defeating because everyone can see the facts on the ground. They can't hide the facts on the ground. And furthermore, probably, it's good, the facts on the ground are going to uh, <clears throat> become even more visible during this period leading up to uh, the election, which is going to make his assertions that it's a stalemate and somehow a victory would make them look more ridiculous as we approach, um, if you like, uh, the elections in November. Just as a little segue, um, is there not likely to be a British election this year? And is it not likely, as the Financial Times uh, predicts, to be a substantial victory for labor? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, British politics is really, you know, in the state of breaking down. I mean, it's it's in a very serious crisis. And, you know, there's no alternative. So people want to express uh, anger and, uh, and protest at what's happening and what's happening to the economy and the society. And where can they go? They can only go to the opposition, even though the opposition is very... Uh, is not popular at all, and the leader of the opposition is um, is is very badly reviewed amongst the the people. But this is you know this is the problem with our politics, where there's you know Tweedledum or Tweedledee, and you right. you have to choose one or the other, and you don't like either particularly. A friend of mine, uh, Tom Woods, uh, <laughs> says of the American uh, presidency. No matter who you vote for, you end up with John McCain. Doesn't matter the person's ideology or political party. They all want to fight wars and they exactly. all want to kill. But yeah. going back to um, March of 22, almost two years ago, 
uh, when the Russians and the Ukrainians had a handshake on an agreement that would have saved all this bloodshed and negotiated in Turkey. And then Tony Blinken and uh, Boris Johnson uh, talked uh, President Zelensky out of it. Did they uh, dupe him or did they really believe that their supply of cash and military uh, equipment would be long enough and endless so as to defeat the Russians? Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't answer what they actually thought at the time. But it, the writing was on the wall. <coughs> it, it's been on the wall for a long time. Um, but it was a huge betrayal because there was an agreement and it was undercut um, by particularly Boris Johnson coming to him. But America stood behind and said, as long as it takes and all that it takes, we will do it in order to defeat Russia. And of course now that offer has been withdrawn. And it's been withdrawn at a time when money is drying up and weapons are drying up. And so no doubt, I mean, Zelensky, I mean, whatever you think of him, but he must feel deeply betrayed um, by, by the West, who clearly, when you say whatever it takes, you right. mean there's a blank check. You can draw on it. We'll stand by you for as long as it takes. It doesn't mean until, you know, this year and then January of this new year, you're going to get cut off financially. So it was a lie and a betrayal. And he's trying to pretend it isn't. Zelensky's making very optimistic statements about how uh, Ukraine is going to become the sort of the, uh, the, the workshop of the world for making weapons. Well, good luck with that. Who's going to take the risk of building factories, uh, weapons factories in Ukraine? They probably last about 20 hours before they're blown up by the Russians. So, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a big betrayal. And, I mean, what is so pernicious is that between March and today, how many young U Ukrainian men have died? And for what? Mm. Nothing. I mean, it's just atrocious. It's appalling, the, this betrayal. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, even if they believed it was possible, did they believe it was possible or was it just wishful thinking? Were they just fantasizing that they could somehow bring Russia? I, I, I think that at the bottom of all these decisions, whether about Israel or about Ukraine, is no one has done due diligence. No one has really thought it through. Like when they put sanctions on Russia, all of these things have had a blowback at us, not at the target, because they didn't think it through. They were told, you know, and advised not to do this. Just as Netanyahu has been advised by a senior general, General Brick, and he told him at the beginning, you're walking into a quagmire in Gaza trying to attack Hamas. I mean, he was a very respected general, and Netanyahu spoke to him one-to-one -one several times, and he said, it's going to be a disaster. And now we know it is a disaster because all the other generals are now saying, yes, I mean, we're losing so many men there. And we don't see either Hamas collapsing. General Ilan said this. We don't see them actually collapsing. We don't see them losing control over the ground in Gaza. And now we hear that the central, southern, southern command of the 
uh, Israeli forces are saying, oh no, uh, I mean, this war is going to be one to two years. Ooh. What? That's what I mean by quagmire. Right. Two right. years of Hamas in so, Gaza. And what is its impact going to be on the United States right. so and Joe, on the West? Joe Biden has a dream, an aspiration, not, not, not something that comes to mind in a sleep, um, that he can weaken Putin uh, by battering him uh, in Ukraine. What happens to that dream on October 7th? <laughs> it's, it, it collapsed. I mean, he woke up and found it was a nightmare. Not a, It was no longer a dream. It was just a bad nightmare because, I mean, uh, Russia is in a very strong position. Now, uh, it is simply just completing. It won't. It was very clear from what Putin said. It was reflected by General Shoigu and Gerasimov. You know, they are not going to deal with Zelensky. There's going to be no, if you like, um, no settled outcome, no negotiated outcome. This is wishful thinking by Team Biden. It's not going to happen. The Russians are not going to deal with those people. They've had it with them. And they're going to push it to the point at which someone in Kiev who is able to say this will say uh, we capitulate and let's talk uh, let's talk about how this will be done back to uh, israel is there any sound logic <clears throat> other than the biblical uh, references to god <clears throat> having given all this uh, earth to the uh, ancient uh, hebrews is there any sound military logic to uh, the Netanyahu uh, program of ethnic cleansing and utter destruction of Gaza, turning it into a soccer field, as one of his ministers said. Uh, well, there is a logic, but it's a logic that's quite strange and alien to us. But it is a, a logic which is that really, in one profound sense, and I remember saying this to you some time ago, um, sort of Zionism has failed. I mean, Zionism was supposed to be the end of pogroms, if you like, around the world. And suddenly, for the Israelis, they feel, you know, in Israel, on Israeli soil, we had this pogrom, and now we're not even safe in the northern part of Israel because of Hezbollah up there, or even in the West Bank. So what was, you know, what is the purpose of this? And unfortunately, the logic of this does drive Israelis to say, well, you know, the two-state solution isn't going to be a solution for us because we tried that. It was the apartheid state, and that didn't work. And look how insecure we are still after mm -hmm. this. The only thing we can do is to clear the land of all the Arabs, um, West Bank, Gaza, and push Hezbollah back, defeat Hezbollah, and go in, and this is a new war, an apocalyptic war, new war of, if you like, a new war of independence for Israel. Now, it's not a, it's actually, yes, a, a, a utopian ideal that is being pursued that is unrealistic and will probably lead to catastrophe because all of the fronts are opening up, particularly, and we are almost certain moving towards a conflict with in the north with Hezbollah.
Mm. Every day it gets more and more serious. And um, I think in the next few weeks, um, we are there. There is the attempt, there was the killing of a senior Iranian, a very senior Iranian general um, the uh, just before Christmas. And then attacks going on against Iran and Hezbollah daily. Um, clearly, Israel is trying to provoke the United States into giving a green light now for an attack on, on, on Hezbollah in order that the people who were displaced from the northern territories of Israel can go back there and go to their homes. And they say, well, you know, we won't go if Hezbollah is sitting there. So they're desperate now to push Hezbollah back. But they don't understand what they're unleashing. I really think that they're so caught up with these visions and this romantic sense of you know, re-establishing Israel on the land of Israel. Uh, it's a path that's very difficult to get off once you get on it. They're on it in Gaza, they're on it in the West Bank, and they're going to be on it in the next few weeks, probably before the end of this month back, in, in Lebanon. Back to uh, where we started, Alistair, from uh, Joe Biden's perspective. Will his attempts <clears throat> to repair uh, these two foreign policy uh, disasters uh, Ukraine uh, and Gaza inevitably lead him to another disaster. Uh, I, <laughs> yes, this is a, this is the logic of the things that once you get desperate, you want to try. It's in the effort to retrieve your image, in the effort to pretend you haven't had a problem, the effort to move and say we've got glory. America has achieved this wonderful success. And in that doing, you actually make mistakes, you misjudge matters, you find yourself on a path that you wish you'd never taken, which is the path in the Middle East at the moment, um, which is, you know, America is drawn in now with Yemen, with the Houthis, it's drawn in um, with, on Iraq, trying to bomb some of the Iraqi militia. It is drawn in in Hezbollah. It is drawn into the Red Sea conflict. All of these things are, are path. I don't think you know. The initial idea was simple. Okay, let's confine the war just to Gaza. Make sure it doesn't spread any. And what's happened? Predictably enough, it's spreading and it's drawing America further and further in. And this will not be good for his re-election platform in November. Alistair, my dear friend, <clears throat> you have just had the largest audience that you've had on this show. Uh, the world is welcoming your uh, wisdom at this Thank early you. hour on the East Coast uh, of the United States on this first day of our show, uh, January 2nd in this year, 2024. Thank you very much, my dear friend. We look forward to seeing you uh, in your usual Monday morning weekly perch uh, back next week. All the best. Well, I also want to wish you all the luck with this project because it's very important. Well, you've been an Thank important you. part of it. Thank you, Alistair. Uh, all the best. So we have a very uh, vigorous and exciting day set up for you at uh, 10 a.m. These are all Eastern times. Ray McGovern at 11 a.m. live from Moscow, Scott Ritter at 12.30, Professor Sachs at 2 o'clock, uh, uh, Matt Ho at 3 o'clock, Karen Kwiatkowski at 4 o'clock, 
Larry Johnson at five o'clock. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Judge Napolitano will see you throughout the day. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.